The podcast players and Bayport High School proudly present Episode 2, A Christmas Carol, an adaptation of the classic Charles Dickens tale written by Kylie Shannon and performed by the students of Bayport High School. Marley was dead to begin with. There was no doubt whatever about that. He was as dead as a doornail. Now, you might ask, did Scrooge know he was dead? Of course he did. They had been partners for nearly 25 years when he unfortunately passed. Yes, Marley was dead, and there was no doubt of it. This must be directly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story I'm going to relate. It was Christmas Eve once upon a time. Scrooge sat busy in his counting house, keeping track of all of his money. He kept a watchful eye upon his clerk, who was trying to keep himself warm by the light of a fire of only one coal. Then suddenly, without warning, Scrooge's young nephew came in. A Merry Christmas, Uncle. And God save you. Bah! Humbug! Christmas a humbug? Uncle, you don't mean that, I'm sure. I do. Merry Christmas. What right have you to be merry? What right have you to be dismal? What else can I be? If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried at the stake of a holly through his heart. Uncle! Nephew! Keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. But you don't keep it. Then leave me alone. Much good Christmas has ever done you. Uncle, there are many things from which I might have deemed good if they had come my way. But I am sure I have always thought of Christmas time, when it comes around, as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time when men and women seem by constant to open their shut-up hearts freely and think of people below them as fellow passengers, not another race. Therefore, uncle, though it never put a scrap of gold in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good and will do me good. God bless it. Bravo. Let me hear another sound from you, Mr. Cratchit, and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. Don't be angry with him, uncle. Come. Dine with us tomorrow. No. But why? Why did you get married? Why? Because I fell in love. Ha! <laughs> because you fell in love. Good afternoon. I'm sorry to find you so resolute. Merry Christmas, Uncle. My offer will always stand. Ah! Hello! Pardon me, sir. Scrooge and Marley's, is it? We're here to collect for St. Mary's. Ah, I see. Good luck to you, ladies, and a Merry Christmas. And to you. Excuse me, have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley has been dead these seven years today. Ah, uh, much apologies, sir. Well, we have no doubts that he is well represented by his surviving partner. That he is. Yes. As you know, Mr. Scrooge, many hundreds are in want of common necessities, and many thousands are in want of common comforts, sir. Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons. Ah, from what you said, I thought something had occurred to stop them in their useful cause. Well, yes, 
Anyway, a few of us are endeavoring to raise a fund for the poor to get some meat and drink and means of warmth for Christmas, you know? What shall I put you down for? Nothing. You wish to be anonymous? No, I wish to be left alone. I can't afford to make idle people merry. They can all go to prison. That is an establishment I support. But many would rather die. If they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Good afternoon, ladies. But, sir... I said good day. Now go, before I must force you. The cold became intense, piercing, searching, biting cold, as if the evil spirit's nose had been nipped. It was then that Scrooge decided to close up his counting house. As soon as he dismounted from his stool, his clerk instantly snuffed his candle out and put his hat on. You want all day tomorrow, I suppose? If convenient, sir. It's not convenient. Why must I pay a day's wages to no work? It only happens once a year, sir. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier the next morning. Oh, thank you, sir. And God bless you. Bah humbug. The clerk relayed his thanks again and left Scrooge to walk out alone. Scrooge took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern, and when he was quite done with all the newspapers, went home, a place that used to belong to his partner. Now, in face, there was nothing at all particular about the knocker on the door. Yet, when Scrooge got to the door and had his key in the lock, he saw in the knocker not a knocker, but Marley's face, just the way he used to look. Scrooge looked fixedly at the phenomenon, but it was a knocker once more. To say Scrooge was unstartled would be untrue, but he was not startled enough to leave. He pushed through, opening the door and getting ready for sleep, as he always did. The only thing he did out of place that night was check all the rooms to see that everything was well. When he saw it was so, he double-locked himself in and sat brooding over the low fire in his room. His gaze happened to rest on a bell, now unused, that used to call out to all the rooms below. Suddenly, to his astonishment, the bell began to swing. And as its loud toll echoed throughout his room, every other bell in the house joined in. Then the bells ceased as they had begun. But they were succeeded by a clanking noise, deep down below, as if someone were dragging a heavy chain. Then it was at the door. Marley. Exactly as he had looked in life only now with a chain with various padlocks clasped around his middle. How now? What do you want with me? Much. Who are you? You mean, who was I? You're, you're particular, for a shade. All right. Who were you then? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Yet, I see you don't believe me. I don't. Why do you doubt? Because I must rely on my senses, and any little thing can affect them. A, a slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheat. There's more gravy than the grave about you, whatever you are. <sighs> Mercy, dreadful apparition. Why, why do you trouble me? 
Do you believe in me or not? I do. I must. But, but why do you come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men until the day of judgment comes. But oh, woe is me. What is it? I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link, girded it by my own free will. It will be the same for you. Yours was as heavy and as long as these seven Christmas Eves ago. You have labored on since, making the world feel your selfishness and greed. Oh, Jacob, tell me more. Speak comfort to me. I have none to give. Listen well, for my time is nearly gone. I will. I am here tonight to warn you. You have yet a chance and hope of escaping my fate, procured by myself. You were always a good friend to me. Thank you. You will be haunted by three spirits. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first tomorrow, when the bell tolls one. Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over, Jacob? Jacob? Jacob! But the apparition could speak no more, for his mouth had been bound up by a bandage. Sounds of lamentation and regret came through Scrooge's window. The specter, listening to it, joined in the mournful dirge, leaving Scrooge alone once more. Scrooge tried to dismiss what he had seen, but went to bed knowing his emotions too real for it to have never happened. Scrooge awoke to the sound of a bell, but it was the hour itself and nothing else. Then, as Scrooge began to doubt, Lights flashed up in the room in an instant and the curtains of his bed were drawn. And Scrooge sat face to face with the first spirit, a glowing apparition in a beautiful white tunic. Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am. Who and what are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Your past. Rise and walk with me. Spirit, I am mortal and liable to fall. I, I cannot fly. Bear but a touch of my hand upon your heart, and you shall be upheld. As the words were said, they passed through a wall and now found themselves upon an open country road. Good heavens! I was born in this place. I was born here. Your lip is trembling. Do you cry? L let us go on. Do they see us? These are but the shadows of the things that have been. They have no conscience of us. My old school. It's not quite deserted. A solitary child, neglected by his friends, is left here still. And upon seeing his old, forgotten self, Scrooge began to sob. Seeing this, the spirit touched Scrooge's arm for comfort. In a voice between laughing and crying... Scrooge recounted his old friends of yore, Alibaba and poor Robinson Crusoe. I wish, but it's, it's too late now. What is the matter? Nothing, nothing. There was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I should have liked to have given him something, that's all. Let us see another Christmas. Scrooge's former self grew larger at the words. He was no longer reading, but paced despairingly until a young girl burst through the door. I have come to bring you home, dear brother. 
Home, little fan. Yes, home for good and all, forever and ever. Father is much kinder than he used to be. He spoke so gently to me one night when I was going to bed that I was not afraid to ask him if you might come home. He said, yes, you should, and sent me in a coach to bring you. You are quite the woman, little fan. It will be so nice to have you home again. I've missed you so. It has been far too long. Always a delicate creature, but she had a large heart. So she did. She died a woman with, I think, a child. Yes, one. My nephew. Come, there is still more to see. They now stood outside a warehouse door. Do you know this place? Know it? Why, I I was apprenticed here. (laughs) Look, there's Dick Wilkins. He was very much attached to me. And look, it's, it's old Fezziwig. Bless his heart. Fezziwig's alive again. He was, he was good to me, you know. The best employer one could ask for. Does something trouble you? I wish I could tell my clerk, Bob Cratchit, something. That's, that's all. We must move on. My time grows short. The scene changed to Scrooge sitting by the side of a fair young girl in a mourning dress, tears in her eyes. Bless me, that's... that's (laughs) Belle! But, darling, please, tell me why you're doing this. It matters little to you. Another idol has replaced me, cheering you and comforting you as I have tried to. What idol has replaced you? A golden one. Belle, I, I love you now as I always have. Nothing has changed that. That can't be true, because you are not who you once were. I've seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one, until the masked passion, gain, engrosses you. What then? Even if I've grown so much wiser, am I not changed towards you? Am I? Our contract is an old one. It was made when we were both poor and content to be so. You've changed. When it was made, you were another man. I was a boy. Your own feeling tells you you were not what you once were. I see it too, and now wish to release you. Why? Have I ever sought release? Never in words. In what, then? In everything that made my love of any worth or value in your sight. If this contract had never been made between us, you would have forgotten me by now and found someone else. I would gladly think otherwise if I could. But I know you could not chase a dowerless girl and never regret it. Thus, I release you with a full heart of love for him that once you were. Belle, please. You may have pain in this, but in a very, very brief time, you will dismiss the recollection of it all as an unprofitable dream. May you be happy with this life you've chosen. However, I will always love you. Fine, then. Go! Be gone with you! I don't need you anyway! Farewell, Ebenezer. Spirit, show me no more. Conduct me home. Why, why do you delight to torture me? One shadow more. No more. I do not wish to see it. Show me no more. But the relentless spirit took him to another place. A room, not too large, but full of happy, smiling faces. It is her again. Belle, my darling. I saw an old friend of yours this afternoon. Who was it? Yes. How can I? Oh, I don't know. Mr. Scrooge? Mr. Scrooge it was. I passed by his office window. 
His partner sits upon the point of death, I hear. And he sat alone. Quite alone in the world, I do believe. Why should it concern me now when I have found all the happiness in the world with you? Spirit, remove me from this place. I cannot bear it. Leave me. Take me back. Haunt me no longer. The scene died away and Scrooge fell back into his bed, exhausted, overcome by an irresistible drowsiness. It wasn't long before he was asleep. The bell began to strike two not a few minutes later, rousing Scrooge from his dreams. He felt restored to consciousness in the nick of time, for he suddenly noticed a ghostly light in the adjoining room. He got up softly and shuffled to the door. There, he met a banquet of goods, foods of all sort, with a jolly giant in the center of the pretty picture. Come in and know me better, man. I am the ghost of Christmas present. I bet you have never seen the like of me before. Never. Spirit, conduct me where you will. I have learned a lesson already tonight. If you have ought to teach me another, then let me profit by it. Very good, then. Touch my robe. Scrooge did so. The banquet vanished instantly and was replaced by rough music and poor streets. They were at Bob Cratchit's house. Mrs. Cratchit, her eldest son, and her two eldest daughters sat around the table as the two smaller children ran around. Whatever is keeping your precious father, then? He will want to see you, Martha, after being gone for so long. I had to, Mother. You know Lady Gooding only gives us Christmas off. Here comes Father with Tim on his shoulder. Hide yourself, Martha. (laughs) Why, where is our Martha? Not coming. Not coming? Why, it's Christmas Day. Don't look so upset, Father. Here I am. Ah, my darling girl. Come here. Did our little Tim behave? As good as gold and better. He's so thoughtful, you know. He told me coming home that he hoped the people saw him in a church because of how sick he was. So that they could remember on Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. He really is getting stronger. Please don't cry, Father. Come, Peter. Bring out the goose. Here it is. (gasps) Wow. Wow. They make a goose out to be the rarest of all birds. To them, it is. Scrooge watched as such a big family ate such a small meal. Yet not one complained. It would have been heresy to do so. A very small pudding was served then a shovelful of chestnuts from the flames. Still not enough for them to be full. A Merry Christmas to all, my dears. God bless us. God bless us, every one. Spirit, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered, the child will die. No, no. Say he will be spared. What then? If he be like to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population. I see, spirit. I understand. And to Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. Indeed. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast on. Dear, it's Christmas Day. And besides, he's been very good to us when he didn't have to be. What, by not throwing you out on the street for using an extra lump of coal? Dearest, please. I'll drink to his health for your sake, not his. May he be merry indeed, as I have no doubt he is. 
probably has enough food at his house to feed all the poor in the city, but keeps it all to himself. Darling. But I won't say any more. It's Christmas, after all. The happy scene began to fade as Scrooge was taken to the streets. He kept his eyes on Tiny Tim all the while. They soon were in a parlor filled with Scrooge's nephew's laughter. (laughs) He is a comical fellow, my uncle. That's the truth. And not so pleasant as he might be. However, I have nothing to say against him. I have no patience with him. Well, I have, my darling. I'm sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. If he chooses to dislike us, then he only loses some pleasant moment which could do him no harm. I mean to give him the same chance every year, whether he likes it or not, for I pity him. Perhaps one day I'll get to him enough that he'll leave his clerk fifty pounds. Don't take on too big of a challenge, dear. (laughs) He has given us plenty of merriment, though. It would be ungrateful not to drink to his health. I say to Uncle Scrooge. Uncle Scrooge! A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the old man. Wherever he is, he wouldn't take it from me. But may he have it nonetheless. Scrooge had become so light of heart that he would have pledged the unconscious company in return and thanked them. But the ghost had given him time, and soon they were back in his room. Spirit, you have aged. Are apparitions' lives so short? My life upon the globe is very brief. It ends tonight at three. My time grows near. But why, spirit? Because the present is always brief and can never last. It fades to the past or looks to the future. But look, it is 2.59. Remember me, Scrooge, and look for the last ghost. Upon the first stroke of three, the ghost of Christmas present faded, leaving Scrooge quite alone. Scrooge searched around for the last apparition, but only when the bell was on the last stroke did a draped, hooded phantom, with a mist surrounding, appear before him. Am I in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come? The spirit answered not, but only pointed onward with his hand. Although well used to ghostly company by this time, Scrooge feared the silent shape. Ghost of the future? I fear you more than any specter I have seen, but... As I know your purpose is to do me good, and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, I am prepared to be in your company, yet will you not speak to me? Very well. Lead on. Suddenly, they were on a dark street. Spirit, where are we? Look, two women come. I don't know much about it, only that he's dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. I thought he was going to live forever. What has he done with his money? I haven't heard. He hasn't left it to me, that's all I know. Perhaps we should go to his funeral. It's likely to be a cheap one, but perhaps they'll serve lunch. For my part, I don't care. But if you got a party together, I'll offer to go. After all, I'm not at all sure I wasn't his most particular friend. We used to stop and speak whenever we met, you know. That's more than anyone else probably spoke to him. I know these women. They live on my street. Spirit, I I see. I see the case of this unhappy man might be my own. Merciful heaven, what is this? They were now in Scrooge's house, freshly ransacked by the help. Scrooge stood looking at what was to be his dead body. The room was empty, save for them. No man, 
woman nor child there to say he had been kind to them. This is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave the lesson, but, but let us go. The ghost conducted him through several streets familiar to his feet. They entered Bob Cratchit's house to find the mother and children all seated around the fire. Why are they all so quiet? Where is Tiny Tim? Oh, no spirit. Tell me it isn't so. <laughs> mother, you're, you're crying. I, I will be fine. My eyes go weak in candlelight, but I will try them. I wouldn't show my weak eyes to your father. It must be near his time. Pass it, rather, but I think he walks a little slower than he used to. I have known him to walk with the tiny Tim upon his shoulder very fast indeed. And so have I. Often. But he was always light to carry, and his father loved him so. No trouble for him to do so. Ah, there's your father at the door. Would you like some tea, dear? I've kept it warm for you. I wish you could have gone, dear. It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. You'll see it one day, though. I... I promised him one of us would visit it every Sunday. <laughs> Spectre, something informs me that our parting moment is at hand. I know it, but I know not how. Lead me on from this place. The spirit took him to a churchyard where he stood among the graves. The ghost then pointed down to one. Scrooge advanced, trembling. Before I draw nearer to the stone at which you point, answer me this. Are these the shadows of what will be, or things that may be? Men's courses will foreshadow certain events, but if, if the courses are departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus. The spirit said nothing. Scrooge crept towards the grave, trembling as he went. He read upon the stone his own name. Ebenezer Scrooge. Left nothing. Loved only in his memories. No, 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 spirit, hear me. I am not the man I was. Assure me that I yet may change these shadows you have left, shown me by leading an altered life. I will honor Christmas in my heart. I will try and keep it all the year. I will not shut out any of the lessons that have been taught to me. Tell me I may sponge away the writing on this stone. Tell me I can change. I want to change. I want to change. I want to change. Upon his last vow, Scrooge found himself once more in his bed. Not forgetting his vow, he at once jumped to his feet and praised old Jacob Marley for his help. Weeping, he looked around his room and happily saw it was ransacked no more. He ran about his room, laughing like a child, until he saw a young woman pass by his window. <laughs> Hello! What's today? What? What is today, my fine lady? Today? Why? It's Christmas! So I haven't missed it! Hello, my fine lady! <laughs> Do you know the butchers in the next street on the corner? I should hope I did. A remarkable lady. Do you know if they've sold the prize turkey in the window? The one that's as big as a small child? That's the one. It's still there. Excellent. Go and buy it. What? I'm in earnest. Go and buy it and tell them to bring it here. I'll give you a shilling for the deed. If you can do it in less than five minutes, I'll give you half a crown. With that, the woman was off like a shot. 
When she returned, Scrooge happily sent the bird along to the Cratchit's house. Then, he was on to what he had planned next. <laughs> Hello! Mr. Scrooge! Yes, that is my name, and I hope it may be pleasant to you. I wanted to find you yesterday, but you left my office too soon. I do wish to make it a donation, after all. I will give you... Lord, bless me! And not a farthing less. Come by my office tomorrow and we shall settle things. For now, a Merry Christmas to you! And to you, sir! Scrooge continued to his nephew's house, but passed it a dozen times before he had the courage to knock. Lord, bless me! Is your husband home, my dear? Indeed, sir. I should like to see him then. Of course, this way. Fred! Bless my soul, who's that? It's I, your Uncle Scrooge. I have come to dinner, if you'll still have me. And of course, his nephew was overjoyed for his company. The party was just as Scrooge had remembered it, and he spent a most merry Christmas there. The next morning, he came in early so that he might catch Bob Cratchit coming in late. What do you mean, coming here this time of day? I am very sorry, sir. I know I am behind. You are. Come here. It's only once a year, sir. It should not be repeated. Now I'll tell you what. I am not going to stand for this sort any longer. Therefore, I'm going to raise your salary. What? Merry Christmas, Bob. I will not only raise your salary, but help assist your struggling family, which we may talk about later this afternoon. Right now, you must go out and buy more coal for your fire. For the rest of his life, Scrooge was better than his word. He did all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became a good man and friend. He had no further dealings with spirits, but did not need it either. After all, it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that truly be said for all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this presentation of A Christmas Carol by the Podcast Players. Featuring the following students from Bayport High School. Bailey Preston, narrator. Tyler Stoffaker, Scrooge and Young Scrooge. Jeremy Thompson, Bob Cratchit and Peter. Kelly Dalner and Greta Schwantz were the charity ladies and the ladies at the funeral. Andrew Alstein, Marley, Fred and Belle's husband. Maddie Paulson, Ghost of Christmas Past and Ghost of Christmas Present. Evelyn Adams, Fan, Tiny Tim, and The Woman with the Goose. Maggie Westbrook, Belle. Ella Fontecchio, Mrs. Cratchit. Maya Ransom, Martha, and Fred's wife. Students performed under the supervision of Michael Pufal. I'm Randy Shannon, host of Podcast Players. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode and look forward to our next production.